Hello, everyone. You're welcome to the New Gen Network show. And today, my guest is Shaheen, um, all the way from the US. And it's a privilege to have him. You know, honestly, I was so, so honored to have him on this podcast. It's, he's one of the people that you you not easily find and get on such platforms. But today, we have him here. And I'm very sure we are all going to learn a lot from him. He has so much to offer us today. Um, we'll proceed by me telling something small about him, something you should get to know about him. Um, so, Shaheen is the creator of Herbal Ecstasy, um, the, the nootropic pill that sparked the 100% legal drug movement. Shaheen made millions, but was made, but he made it special that's even he started this business at the age of 18. Oh, sorry, 15, okay? He started this at the age of 15. So you can imagine the kind of inspiration and the kind of energy he had to have even started this and the kind of trauma and faith he had in his business. Shaheen was also an early innovator in the vaping world, inventing um, vapor vaporizer as well as hundreds of millions of products, hundreds of millions of dollar product. Wait, um, Shaheen? Yeah. I, I think you should read this yourself. I'm having difficulties with the text. This, this seems too small for me. Okay. What would you like me to... Why don't we just have a conversation? I think it's okay to to just have a, a conversation if that's okay with you. And, you know, um, okay. I, I am a entrepreneur. Um, for those of you guys who don't know me, I started my first company when I was about 15 years old, left home and went out to seek my fame and fortune. Now, of course, the part that I missed was that I needed to have money in order to make that happen. So I missed the memo that went out that said, hey, you need to have money to make money. And I found myself in very short form sleeping on the beach and with little or no money and basically trying to figure out what my next move was. And what happened was really interesting. I found a mentor who mentored me and I write about it. I've got a book coming out called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. And the mentor kind of coached me and I somehow discovered the electronic music scene, the EDM scene at the time. And so I started going to these parties and the thing that I learned from these events was that there was a lot of money being transacted. Now, that money was not being made by the people who were throwing the events, the promoters. The money was not being made by the DJs because they were always standing outside with their hands. Why isn't anybody paying the poor musicians? Artists love to be poor. I'm joking for <laughs> any of you guys out there who are artists. <laughs> so I started thinking maybe it's the property owners. Nope, the property owners almost never got paid. So who was it who was making money at these events? Can you take a guess? Um, the promoters. Nope, it wasn't the promoter. So I'll give you a clue or I'll tell you what it is. So it actually was the people who were selling drugs, the drug dealers. Now, 
I looked around and I knew myself pretty well. I think it's Alan Watts talks about the foundations of being a, a self-realized human beings. You know, the philosopher Alan Watts, who is, okay, yeah. is very well credited with bringing the wisdom and knowledge of Eastern philosophy to the West, of bringing the, the concepts of Zen and those thoughts to the West. He talks about the importance of knowing yourself and knowing who you are. And I knew at that time that I would not be very good at crime. I looked at the guys who are doing crime. I'm like, man, these guys are dumb, but they have nerves of steel. I definitely was not set out to do crime. I would be very bad at crime, very bad at crime. So I decided that I was going to try to figure out a way to create a legal drug, a natural drug that I could sell through the rave scene through the drug dealers and to make my fame and fortune. So I went about the yeah. process of doing that. And I remember with the first amount of pills that I made, I walked into a club and the supply of drugs had gone down, particularly of this one drug called ecstasy, which in the nineties was a huge thing yeah. in the eighties, it was legal, but most of it would come from Europe and it was a fairly difficult drug to synthesize. So most of it would be coming from England and and Holland, and somehow the government pulled the cord on it. They said, hey, we're not letting anything in, and the supply had dried out. So people were desperate, and I was there. Synchronicity, my friend, right place at the right (laughs) time, and I had a legal alternative. And so I, you know put together my courage. I walked up to one gentleman and I I use the term gentleman loosely because he was a drug dealer. And I said, Hey, (laughs) you know, uh, you don't look like you're pretty good at crime either. Even though you are doing crime for a living, why don't you sell my stuff? And you may be able to make some money while all these other people are suffering. And so he agreed. And, you know, it went to one guy, and he made $10,000 in a night and to another guy and he made 15,000. Yeah. And we went from 1,000 to 10,000 to 100,000 people. And I built a network of drug dealers who were no longer dealing drugs. They were selling our all natural herbal pills. And I know you, you're from Ghana and all, all my brothers from, from Africa, that the yeah. traditions there with herbal medicine, with natural medicine, right? It's part of, part of the culture, right? Just as it is in, in, in I was about to touch on that, you know, like it, down here, it's it's all herbs, you know, like we use herbs for almost everything, almost every sickness. And when I was going through what you've been able to do with all those inventions, I was asking myself, like herbal ecstasy. And I've not seen that here in my country or even on the continents, like where, where did they even get those herbs from? Well, so this was from the, you know, we're talking about the 1990s. So in the 1990s, you know, we got the herbs from, you know, wherever herbs came from. So some of them came from South and Central America. Some of them came from China. Traditional mm-hmm. Chinese medicine was very popular, you know, but that's, that's, that's always, I think, you know, the way that a lot of the times these, these types of medicines are culturally appropriated, right? The white man comes in and he's like, hey, you know, look at this stuff. We're, this is, we're gonna make it like this and <laughs> sell it in pills, right? And, that, and it happens yeah. all throughout cultures and traditions, right? But people in 
traditions like the African tradition, the Middle Eastern yeah. traditions, the Arabic traditions, the Chinese traditions, they've been using yes. these medicines for, for long periods of time. And maybe they don't all have science behind them. And maybe you can't, yes. you know, put everything in one pill that works for everybody. But for a lot of people in the greater population of the planet, they can't afford to go to doctors. They can't afford these medicines. And some of this stuff works. It just works. It works we, yeah. Yeah, we don't know why. We don't know why for a lot of the stuff, but a lot of it works. So, you know, we developed this herbal supplement and the supplement went from, you know, one guy in a club to hundreds of thousands of people selling this all over. And then it became legitimized. We were on the news and I was selling it in brick and mortar and we were in record stores mm. and clothing stores and uh, liquor stores and all over the world, everywhere I went, they were selling the pills until one day. I walked into my office. I realized I was a teenage kid, you know, somewhere in my teens or maybe early 20s at that point. I, I can't remember. And I got a phone call that the news was out that we had made a billion dollars in revenue pre-internet, my friend, before social yeah. media, before everybody had an iPhone in their pocket, before Twitter and TikTok and all these things that this teenage kid who was sleeping on the beach in an abandoned building some months before now has created a billion dollars in revenue. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my, oh, holy, holy smokes, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't even know what a billion is. So I started researching, trying to figure out how much is a billion dollars, right? I didn't I know. Wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you that because, you know, I had to start from a soccer player who was sharing a story about how his first million dollar experience was like, you know, when he had that bank alert that, hey, you've received $1 million, how his experience was like. He, he says he couldn't sleep the whole night. You know, he was, <laughs> he was just anxious to get a feel of that money. And I was thinking for you at that young age, how was it like? You know, and this is one of the things I talk to people about often is I say, you know, don't chase money, chase excellence, chase the thing that you do that's going to do what Steve Jobs said, put a dent in the universe. And that's what we do. You know, I teach my students all the time. I've got a, a series of courses, but I've got a course where I teach people how to do what I do on the Amazon platform and yeah. create revenue streams from all over the world. And I've got a lot of people from Africa, South Africa, who are part of my course and our mastermind where we teach them how to do that. Yeah, but Amazon I, Mastery. Yeah, the Amazon Mastery. But I think, you know, and, and by the way, if you want to, I'm happy to give, give our one hour course to any of the, your listeners for free. So we can talk about that a little bit later. But sure. so, you know, to, to answer your question is that I was so busy, you know, being excellent and, and, and seeking excellence and doing what I was doing that I didn't even notice the money. The money was like, yeah, of course the money's there. I didn't even think about it. I remember one day, I'll tell you, I had a dog. Um, and I love this dog and, you know, the dog would just hang out with me all the time. Cause you know, some, sometimes when you, when you make a lot of money, your dog is pretty much the only one you can trust. <laughs> and 
I, I had this, this, this beautiful dog and we were hanging out in my office and I had gotten rid of all the desks because I decided everybody needs to humble themselves and sleep on, you know, sit on the floor. So I got rid of all the desks. I got rid of all the chairs. So everything was on the floor and I had trays with our papers in there because there was a lot of papers before computers in those days. And I remember the dog came and it started, you know, sniffing around and jumping up and down and it jumped on a pile of paper and the papers just spilled all over the floor. And I was like, oh man, I got to pick up these papers. So I reached in to pick up the papers and I noticed that there was a couple checks and I looked and there was one for a few thousand dollars and there was another one wow. for like five or $10,000. And then I looked and there was a check for a million dollars, right? That somebody had, some, somebody had written me a check for a million dollars. And this is how much I cared. I had thrown oh. it into a pile months back and I never thought about it. <laughs> Because we were making so much money. We were printing yeah. so much money, literally. By, by, and we weren't literally printing money, but we were yeah, printing it's... money in the terms that the product that we Pills, were making had yeah. such high margin that we were, it was better than printing money. And I just remember looking at the check and I looked at my dog and you know what I did? I just grabbed the pile of papers and I threw it back in the pile. And I think it was months after that before I even went to cash the check because I didn't care. It was like, oh yeah, of course there's going to be checks for millions of dollars. Of course that money's going to be there. And that's what happens when you get into the flow. When you do everything right, you end up at the right place at the right time. When you're at the right place at the right time, opportunities will come to you. But yeah. the problem is that people think that this stuff happens magically. They're like, oh, art of manifestation. Yeah. And, you know, all this stuff is going to happen because, you know, I believe in God and God, I'll tell you, God does not <laughs> care about you, right? You've got to do it for you. You've yeah. got to go the, out the there. God, and I, I don't, I don't say that to be offensive to people, right? No, whatever, no, no. Whatever you believe in, whatever empowers you, whatever deity, whatever you're doing, you know, an old teacher of mine used to say, God is out playing golf right? Meaning that he is busy doing his thing. You've got to bring yourself mm -hmm. up. And that's when the world mm -hmm. empowers you. That's when things start coming to you. And you do that by working hard. Some of the hardest working people I've ever met, like my partner, are from Ghana, from Africa, because things were not handed to you. You don't live in this first world kind of, you know, place where like, you know, it's flowing with resources and you're just complaining because you feel entitled. Nothing is handed to you. You've got to work for everything that you've got. That's the culture that I came from. I was born in Iran. We came here as immigrants to the United States. My dad worked in a really, you know, low level pizza shop for years and then a dry cleaner cleaning people's clothes for years. And he was treated very poorly as, as most immigrants are when you go to another country. But, yeah. you know, he was, he was from a different mindset. And when I came, came up in the United States, I came from a different mindset. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to allow the restrictions of my past get in my way. So I worked, I hustled. And then one day I'm waking up, I'm getting the news that we broke a billion dollars. People are watching this on the news going, look at that little guy with the long hair. That kid got lucky, man. He got that lottery ticket. He got that lottery ticket. And, and, and he, had a, he had a lot of hair then. Yeah, I had a lot of hair then. And, yeah. you know, people don't talk about everything it took to get you to where you are. 
we look at musicians and we're like, hey, man, he got that hit. Look at that hit. He got that hit. Oh, you know, he got that one hit. He got lucky. But what about all the stuff that musician did no. to get to that point? Yeah. Yeah. I, I for one, work with a lot of musicians. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's so crazy the kind of process they go to in the studio to make up a song, you know, the words, getting the words to rhyme, getting the words to pass on the kind of message they want to pass. It's, it's not really easy. Like people say it out there. And the thing is, most of them don't hear the, the fillers they go through. And this is a general thing, both with entrepreneurs, with artists, with writers, with, you know, everyone. People don't really share their, their failures and what they go through in order to make up whatever success they've, they've made. And so it's, it's always looks normal for people when they see you succeed and they're like, hey, it's lucky, hey, I, I, I can do this, I can... You know, you have to just understand it's it takes a lot of process, a lot of patience, and a lot of work, hard work, like you said. Yeah, um, I, you're right. Yes, you can. You can go ahead. I mean, look. Sometimes you can get lucky, right? Sometimes you can be born into money. Sometimes you can marry a rich person. You know, yeah, you can get yeah. lucky. But for the majority of us, that's not going to happen. And you know, there's really, you know, I, I talk, we have a podcast called Hack and Grow Rich. So for any of your listeners, you know, if you want to check out our podcast, it's on Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Sure. So you guys can download us there. And we talk a lot about hacking life, about little hacks that you can do that can get you a little bit ahead of the rest. But when it comes to success, people are always asking me, hey, what's, what's the hack? And I'm like, dude, the hack is getting out there and working hard getting out yes. there and hustling right? you do know, whatever it takes i i i feel like the whole story just said right now about the club thing wasn't it didn't even end there you know that's one thing that even our listeners can try to adapt right now after you realize the problem you had to work you know to get it done you had to when you saw the opportunity, you just had to go out there and work. It's, it's included getting the, the products done, your innovation done. It's included speaking with the suppliers, you know, all aspects. And so when you realize the opportunity or the problem and you want to solve it, yo, you should just know that it takes a lot of work to get it done. And you just, you did, you did just that. It was, I think there's something that all of us can learn from. Because most of us are still realizing portals in our system. We are realizing the problems in our systems. And we want to be innovative about it. We want to make innovations out of it. But persistence has been some of us problem. You know, we can't keep going for that long while, for the long run. As soon as we start, as soon as some people start, they start fading out or just stopping because, mm. you know, they are tired of the whole process. The whole process, you should know it's hard. Just, that's just it. It's, it's going to be hard. Yeah. So, okay. So I've got answers for both of those things. So, and that's great. That's really good uh, feedback. So the first thing I'm, I'm going to tell you, and this, this is a little contradictory to what some people say. The first thing that I'll tell you is that 
Somebody told me once that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Doesn't mean you won't wake up and go to a job. It just means that because you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. And so yes. the first key is picking something that you don't hate. Now, for a lot of younger people, people who are just kind of building themselves up in life, you might have to do some things that you hate until you can do what you love. And that's okay. So first and foremost, the second thing that I will share with you that's been very helpful to me, and I think probably could be helpful to your listeners as well, is that we are all humans. One of my mentors told me that behind every deal is always a human being. Everything that you see around you was sold to one human from another human at some point in time. So what does that mean? That means that we have to recognize that we too are humans and we are fallible. So for example, you, you know what food is good for you, but if you keep junk food in the house, at a certain point, you're going to just grab for that thing that's not so good for you. Why? Because you're just human. You're vulnerable. So the more intelligent person, the sneaky player would say, I'm not going to put the food that I don't want to eat close to me or in the house even. I'm not even going to buy it because I know my vulnerabilities. Now, that is a person that's really realized. Now, knowing this information, what you have to know is that our brains, our neurochemistry works on feedback loops. So it's like a circle. Now, if we are constantly putting input into this machine and there's no output coming out, we are going to move to something that's giving us greater output or some output at all, right? If we keep banging on a rock, right, or steel wall and no one's answering, we just keep, at some point, we're going to stop banging, right? But if we bang and someone says, hello, yeah. and we bang and bang and someone says, yes, and we bang and bang and the door opens a little bit, we're going to keep banging harder and harder until that door opens. Yeah, now, sure. where does this, where does this take us? Okay. So this takes us to a place where initially when you start something, and I use this example a lot for when people are selling on the Amazon platform. I like to talk about selling on Amazon because I think it's one of the fastest paths to making money these days, is that you can't start with a product or a business that's going to feel to you like a steel wall. You need to go for low-hanging fruit something that's a little bit easier. Why? Because it's going to constantly be bringing feedback to you. So it's going to close that loop for you and open up the opportunity for you to start taking harder and harder challenges. And that's really the trick to this, is that you need to find something that will feed your feedback loop and you can close that loop. So you put a certain amount of input in, you get a certain amount of output out and that loop continues because if we keep banging against the wall with no hope of ever getting breaking through it we're going to quit and go on to something else that's why people move on to yes. drugs you see people yeah. that they're using drugs and you're like man your life was pretty bad as it was why would you add the compl complication of becoming a drug <laughs> addict like why would you why would you do that well the answer mm -hmm. is easy because it closes the feedback loop you know, you put the drugs in, you get a feeling out. 
It's giving you something. Yes. Whereas the alternative might be hard. You might go out there to start a company. You might go out there, you know, to chase that beautiful, you know, spouse, female that you're, you know, going after, and she might not respond to you. And the rejection of that might be so hard, you know, not getting that feedback loop closed with a positive affirmation is hard. Now, this is the thing I would claim in addition. I think your comments were very good. The one point that I would push back a little bit on is that I don't think it has to be hard. And that goes to my initial point of if you do something that you love, you will never work a day in your life. And I do a lot of difficult things. I solve a lot of tricky problems. But when I look at my life and I look at my work, I never think to myself that it's hard. And I don't think okay. that life in general really was ever meant to be a struggle. People that are struggling usually aren't the same people that are succeeding. So if you can let go of struggle and get into flow, and there's a lot of great tactics for doing that, you'll be in a far better place in life. I, I think that is perfect. You know, it's, it's all boils back to the mindset. It's all boils back to the mindset. Everyone has his own ideologies and how he perceives things. Okay, but that was just from my end because I said that because some might enter with a lot of, you know, um, hopes, you know, in getting things very quick, not realizing the fact that it's a process, you know, and so that's why I said that. But let's let's jump into your book, which will be published soon. Billion. Um, this book sounds quite exciting to me because I don't know when when I mention it, I picture billion. <laughs> you know, just like um, the book Secret says, you know, you you imagine what you want and you build empires in your mind. Uh, tell us a little bit about billions. I know we we've dived deep already. You've also dived deep into your um, Amazon mastery principles, but tell us something you've not shared with us today about Billion. Right. So Billion is the book that I've written, and it's really the story, what we were talking about earlier, it's the story of herbal ecstasy and kind of my rise to fame and fortune in the 1990s pre-internet and to creating, you know, close to a billion dollars in revenue during that time. And it was a wild ride and a fun time. And if you guys want to learn about that, I have a podcast called Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. It's absolutely free. You can get it on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Amazon Music. So just go on there and check that out. And that'll have, you know, the first episode is on there. It's free. And the book's coming out in August, and that's going to be super fun. So I, I am excited about that. Bless, bless. Wait, what's this thing you mentioned about um, being the king of uh, super cult? Was that like was that a movement you built? I, I'm sorry, I missed your question. That super um, being the king of something called was was oh, it like the book is called the book is called billion how i became king of the thrill pill cult okay yeah. yes that, yeah that's just the okay, title so of the book <laughs> yeah 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 
Oh man, I didn't realize that. Um, sure. So I I realized you have Chris Voss, Chris Voss. As, yeah. Yes. Um, with a forward on on the book. Yeah. Chris is a friend and, you know, Chris Voss, for you guys who might not know, is the FBI negotiator. He's the one who wrote the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never split the difference. And he's an amazing guy. And so, so great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, he's, he's awesome. I don't know. Have you read his books? Yeah. I actually saw um, his book on Amazon and I also saw it on a masterclass. Oh yeah. And it, it caught my attention because I love stuff that are related to psychology, and I felt like his book was was crazy, was massive. So, but I've I've not actually laid hands on it yet. I'm hoping to purchase one on Amazon very soon. Um, yeah, yeah, his masterclass is spectacular as well. So you know, I'm I'm a in awe of Chris. He is a a, a friend and mentor of mine, and just a all around amazing guy. Wow. I, I love it so much when you keep on mentioning mentors. I think you've, you've mentioned for over 10 times during this 15 minutes discussion. <laughs> yeah. And yes. It's something I want to throw a little light on, you know, um, for most of us growing up, it's, it's not easy to find a mentor. Um, even, even in Africa here, I, I grew up a little bit older before I, I came across my mentor. And even though he, he used to mentor me when I was a kid, I didn't even realize it because I didn't even understand what mentorship was. It was yes. when I, I, I grew up before I, I got to realize it. And my mentor was actually in business with Sachin, the guy who invited you to um, South Africa. He's called right. Charles, Charles Manson. So... That was how I got, uh, you know, into business indirectly with Sachin somehow. And yeah. yes, I, I just want to touch a little bit. How, how big and how influential has your mentors been to your life? Yeah, I mean, look, it's super important, I think, you know, and, and it's like you and I were talking earlier about, you know, kind of the difference between Eastern culture and Western culture and kind of like African culture. And, you know, we come from a place where we honor our elders, you know, and we come from a place where we honor those who came before us. And unfortunately, that's something that's been lost to some extent in, in Western culture. So I yes. think people coming from a Western context, uh, see it as something like exotic or, you know, unusual to seek mentorship. But for thousands of years, our ancestors were bringing each other up just in that way. It was ultimately, that was the way that you brought up the next generation. And part of not just what you did, but your duty as a man growing up is that at some point, you are going to be mentoring the next generation. And I really think, you know, a lot about that. And, you know, now that I'm mentoring a lot of younger guys, um, you know, a lot who are, you know, super promising as far as, you know, what they're doing, I think about the importance of that in my life. And, you know, as, as entrepreneurs, we oftentimes, and even starting entrepreneurs, we have a tendency to work in a vacuum. 
we have a tendency to think that our problems are our problems and our problems alone, and that you know we're going to solve them somehow by ourselves. But as my good friend Ken Rutowski often says, your network is your net worth. The more yeah. people you know, the more people you know who have solved the tricky problems that you are trying to solve now, you might not always take their advice. You might not always agree with them, but you know what? If you have options and resources and access to more information, you will do better in life. That's the one thing that we know. It's access to information, right? So we, and, and just access, options. You look at somebody mm -hmm. who's coming from Ghana, for example, you have less options than somebody who's grown up in, you know, New York City for the most part, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't have access to all the stuff that they have in New York City. Now, if you're coming from, you know, say a European country, you might have more access than somebody coming up in, you know, a lower class family in, you know, New York. But what we do know is that people succeed by the way that they increase their options in life. So what you want to do for your children and for yourself and for your friends is that you always want to make sure that you have as many options as possible. And it comes to the matrix of decision-making. So the decision-making matrix teaches us that the more options that we have, the higher the likelihood of us making the best possible decision in that moment. And that's what I encourage people to do all the time. Wow. I, I, just, so, I, I just feel so refreshed. Now, there's, there's this excerpt that I discovered from one of your Amazon Mastery courses. I, I want to ask you something small about, it was so fascinating to me when I saw it. I think it's something, the four. Do you remember anything like that, the four? The four, like the number four? Yes, like Facebook, Google. Oh, right, Amazon, yes. and right. Apple. Right. And th this is it. I, this is the reason why it was fascinating to me. And I want to get a clearer understanding of it. You know, um, I'm more of the digital type. And I know you've, you've won several awards from that space. You know, it's one of your greatest fields. And so this ideology is something that I want to really dive deep into. And for any um, tech geek listening to us, he can also dive deeper and probably be a, a, a part of your course. It says that the, the Facebook is a symbolism of the heart. Um, Google of the brain, we all know Google to be like the brain of the web. Amazon, more of like the intestine. And Apple, like a reproductive gland or organ. I, I don't know if I got everything right, but was that what you were trying to illustrate in your, in your Amazon or your your, your, your course? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I think, you know, our course, we give very practical foundational tips on how you can go from, you know, near nothing to creating an Amazon business that creates predictable recurring revenue month after month, you know, year after year, and you start these businesses and you grow them 
And that's what we teach people how to do. And I've got students who are making hundreds of thousands and, you know, I've got other students and clients who are making millions of dollars. Now, here's the thing. You now at this particular time in history have greater access to greater wealth built by these four companies. And if you have a way to learn how to access that wealth, you can do really well. Wow. So that's, that's just basically it. You know, that's what you, you pass on to the people, how to utilize all these platforms and all these tools. That's right. Bless. Um, hey, I want us to do something social, something more about your lifestyle, your daily lifestyle. Sure. Uh, it, it's, it's quite interesting and it will push you to the wall sometimes to say some of the things you've never said on any podcast show. Okay. I hope I have your permission. Of course. Yeah, nothing is <laughs> off limits. I talk about everything. You know, I'm, I'm a, a very open person. I'm an open book. No real secrets. I've written a book on my life. So, you know, it's uh, uh, the time for hiding and secrecy is, is over for me. So whatever you want to talk about, I'm totally open to. And I hope I can bring value. You know, my, my point is, you know, that I can bring value and help impact your listeners. So if I can do that, then I'm delighted to serve. Sure. Thanks so much. Uh, so uh, between women and money, which one would you go for? Between women and money? It, oh, yeah. like if I had to choose uh, if I was going to get women or money, I'd probably yes. say probably say money because then the women would come. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, so- that's great. That's like a scene from one of my favorite movies, uh, Scarface. You ever watch Scarface with uh, Al Pacino? Yes. I- where he's oh, Tony Montana. Yeah. And they're having yeah, that walk I'll, and he goes, look, first you get the, first you get the, you know, the fame, <laughs> then you get the money, then you get the women. So that's what you remind, <laughs> that's what you reminded me of there. Yeah, bro. Yeah. That reminds me, we'll dive deep into films very soon. Okay. Cause for me, when I was listening to the story behind billions and all the story, I felt like, yo, this thing has to be depicted in a movie. You know, I, I, have you been in touch with any director soon? Yeah, I just had dinner a few nights ago with some Hollywood directors about the film and we've been in talks, you know, they're shopping it right now. And, you know, I think it's probably going to get to the point where there's a little bit of a bidding war for the story. So we're very excited to see who ends up, uh, who ends up taking it, but it's going to be, it'll be fun and to see, and I, Crazy. I'd, love, I'd love to see it as a film, you know, so let's, let's see what, you know, Let's see what happens. Crazy, man. I'll, I'll, see, I'd be the first person to hype this in Ghana. You know, I'll be all over the place. I, have you ever watched Fall Out? Have I ever watched what, brother? Oh, no. I think I lost you. Oops. I think I lost you. I, can't, I don't have any audio. I don't know if it's my connection or your connection. But I think we lost each other for a moment. So we're just going to be patient here. And I think he was going to be asking me some questions about some things that perhaps um, might be more controversial. So I think as soon as our host comes back on, uh, we can discuss some of his controversial topics or things that he wants to discuss. So hopefully I am hoping that I have not lost him. Let's take a quick look. And oh no, I think we may have lost our host on the connection. 
And I think that is where this call will end up. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. For anybody who is interested and who wants, there is the free one-hour Amazon Mastery course. It's normally 200 bucks for listeners of this specific podcast. We will offer it for free. So just go to fbasellercourse.com. We will include that in the show notes. And I'm happy to offer that up to any listeners, absolutely at no cost. And if any of you are interested in the Amazon Platinum Mastery Course, reach out to us. Go on to either shaheenshan.com or fbasellercourse.com and fill out the form. And we would love to see you soon. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day.